morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto, Mario, also known as the Node Defender. And I'm going to give a shout shout out to Jackie this morning. So shout out to Jackie. We're looking forward to a great show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Ripple's CEO made a massive announcement in Dubai yesterday, shedding light on the Ripple versus SEC case, stating in two to six months, this turbulence will be behind us. Got to mute you, Roto. Sorry about that. China is opening a blockchain training facility, teaching more than 500,000 crypto specialists in their country, while the IMF is pushing back against gold-backed digital assets, telling the world to be careful of resisting the SWIFT system. And with the United States government bringing the crypto conversation mainstream, we break down the details, showing our community how global banks have always planned to adopt this revolutionary tech. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, first of all, I've got some positive news for you this morning. My voice has fully recovered from the Vegas trip and it only took until Thursday. So shout out to our listeners. How are you feeling this morning? And thanks for being here, Greta. See that, Mario, even the, these young guys just don't have the same uh, energy and recovery like we used to have in our day. But you know what? I like how you threw Mario. Hold on. I like how you threw Mario in the same age category as you. Mario's got like five years on me, Johnny. <laughs> you know what, Abs? Here's the funny thing. Even you with a half a voice is still better than 90% of the hosts with a full voice. So hopefully that makes you feel better because you're the best host in the world. And we Thank all you, know Johnny. that. And we love you. And love you too, Mario. Great to see you. Jackie, we miss you. Unfortunately, couldn't make it today. And I don't know why my background is flipping out on me here, but I just want to say good morning to all the word maniacs. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys showing up for every day. Let's hop into it. Mario, we got some great news prepared for today. And what I'm going to show our listeners to begin with is the Brad Garlinghouse video out of Dubai. Not only does he tell us when this case could be over, but he gives some very good insight into where Ripple could be moving in the next nine or 10 months. Before we get into that, Mario, how are you feeling? And thank you for making time for us. Appreciate it, man. I'm feeling awesome. I'm super excited to be here. You know, yesterday, last night, we were recording uh, the Spanish version of, you know, Orlando Crypto, and it was a total mission getting some of these words out in Spanish. <laughs> I'm learning as I go. But it feels like Good Morning Crypto a year ago when we were starting. You know, you're kind of nervous and it, it's so new. But nonetheless, good morning, everybody. Super excited to be here. I love you too, Johnny. I love you too, Avs. And uh, let's do it. Awesome, guys. And with that being said, we're going to get this show started the same way we always do by showing you my Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to me throughout the day. I love to use this account to communicate with people and keep updates going when we can't go live on YouTube. So if you want to follow us throughout the day, smash that follow button. I'll always communicate you there. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in neutral this morning, Johnny, sitting at a 52. And when we check out some of the daily movers, Hex is the only green bubble across the board today, up about 14%. When we check out the total coin market cap this morning, we're going to the Merlin's page and it is at 1.18 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 47% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 27,000. Ethereum, 1,800. XRP is 41 cents. And we're going to stop it there this morning, Johnny, because there's so much news to get into. But when you talk about the market overall, most of these tokens are down 10% on the day. So Really quickly, guys, we got over 200 live listeners already joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, let me know what's on your mind before I show our listeners this update from Dubai. Yeah, let's, uh, you know, we'll hop into that update and see what's happening there, Abs. 
Um, you know, again, I'm always just looking for bargains in the market. Oh, God, look at that pretty picture. That's what's up, by the way. Look how pretty that looks. It just looks so pretty. But, uh, you know, we see their abs that, you know, what's great about this is what I love about Merlin. I can instantly look across the top and I already know it's a down day. Look at all that red, right? You can see the trends of where we're heading. Um, and so when we're in red days, Ab, what do I always tell you? I love me red days. I know nobody else likes red days. But red days are opportunities to potentially buy. Now, right now, it's not red enough because, you know, we're just in the beginning of probably what I believe will be a down. I think we're going to head now into, and nobody's going to want to hear this, but you asked me what's on my mind, so I'll tell you. I think we're going to head to a little downtrend, Abs, over, over the, you know, the old saying, selling may go away. So, guys, don't be surprised if we start to see crypto pull back over the next couple months. Uh, we saw this last year, too. I think, Mario, we're going to get a down. In, in May, we're going to get it down in June. Maybe we'll get a little midsummer rally like we got last year. So, frankly, Abs, I just got some money. I'm just sitting it on the side, and I'm going to wait to see if I could poach a couple things in the middle of uh, June. Absolutely, Johnny. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on this price chart before we show the Brad Garlinghouse video. I did a little TA. And if you want this expert analysis here, you're only going to get it on <laughs> crypto. We've got a clear rising wedge here, Johnny and Mario. I want to get your thoughts as well. When we look at the XRP price chart, Waters Above has been telling us to watch for one key range. That's the 55 cent range. And we're yet to break out of there in over a year. So I want to show our listeners if we are able to get above this green line right here, which is that 55 cent mark, there's almost no resistance. And that, coupled with some news, could bring us into some real exciting price territory. But with that being said, I'd love to show you this Brad Garlinghouse clip as this is the latest update out of Dubai. I am incredibly optimistic about the future of crypto. And, you know, if you if you had told me that over the last year you're going to have the Terra Luna fiasco, you're going to have the FTX meltdown, and you're going to have a banking meltdown in the United States servicing crypto, and yet... Bitcoin would still be at roughly 27, 28, 30,000. I wouldn't have believed you. And it really, I think, speaks to the resilience of crypto and why so many people are looking to it as a long-term uh, place of value, a long-term, even maybe safe haven. Now, I don't know that that plays out in one year or two years, but I do think if you look at over the long arc of time, these technologies are here to stay. There's I want to pause it there, Johnny, and get a little commentary in. Brad Garlinghouse said something so important. A safe haven for wealth is what he described cryptocurrency as. And as we go into our articles for today, there's another video I think correlates perfectly with the Brad Garlinghouse clip. This is only a 10-second clip out of a United States congressman, Johnny, and I want to get your comments right after this. The floor is yours. Here we go. Crypto bros make money literally by making money, and they've made over a trillion dollars out of thin air. Um, they'll accuse the U.S. government of making money out of thin air. Maybe we do, but we're the U.S. government. Can you believe that? I love what this uh, tweet says right here. He spoke the unspoken. What do you think about those two quotes being connected, Johnny? We've got somebody telling us that crypto is nefarious. He compared it to the cocaine industry. He compared it to the human or harvesting industry. Some of the worst things you can use. He's trying to connect crypto to those conversations. But I'm going to show our listeners a chart later in the episode showing how only, I believe it's less than 1.1% of all money laundered actually moves through the crypto market. And I've got a great illustration to show. But first, what's it mean to you, Johnny? Well, the first thought that comes to my mind was it's great that we finally got some truth out of a politician. <laughs> At least he admitted, yeah, we make money out of thin air in the U.S. He said it, not my words, his, you know. So here it is, you know. But uh, so that's interesting that we finally get that out of it. But, um, you know, 
we, I mean, there's no surprise here, Abs. I mean, you know what? I'm, I think I'm going to change my name to Nostradamus. What have we been saying on this show? We told you, I wrote this thing a year and a half ago. We said, this is the narrative you're going to hear before they started saying it. This is the narrative you're going to hear, right? And this is now, this is what you're going to really hear now, very strongly over the next year or two years, Abs. So it doesn't surprise me. I'm put this thing away. It doesn't surprise me that we're hearing all these politicians coming and saying, you know, crypto's bad. It's nefarious. It does bad things. Blah 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 blah. You're just gonna continue. Yeah, there we go. Laundering, you know, laundering money. Yeah, I mean, why would you? Why would you use something that's traceable for nefarious activity? That makes zero sense. I mean, it's easy to follow the money. So to me, I think you have to be smart enough. To look at the technology and say, look, at the end of the day, yeah, they're telling me it's for interference, but it's really not going to be used for that. If you're a criminal and you're <laughs> trying to hide money, you're not going to do it on a blockchain. Uh, so I think what you're going to see is you're going to hear this, you're going to hear this. And then at some point, the narrative is going to shift. And that shift, I don't know when it's going to happen, but when it does, oh, baby, that's going to be a great time because you're going to hear them singing a tune of how great crypto is, but we're just not there yet. Because we are still in the then they fight you stage. And Mario, before I get some comments from you, I'm going to update our listeners on the graphic we're showing now. For every $1 spent in Bitcoin on the darknet, there's over $800 laundered in United States cash. And that's just another reason why that argument doesn't make any sense at all. But what do you think about Brad Sherman's statements coupled with Brad Garlinghouse out of Dubai? Yeah, you know, when he said that, it reminded me of like when you're a parent and you tell your kid not to do something, but then you're doing it. And obviously they're going to, you know, you lead by example. So they're going to do exactly what you're doing and not do what you're saying. So that's exactly what it sounded like to me. But yeah, he's uh, as far as Brad Garlinghouse, I think Brad Garlinghouse was spot on, you know, some of this with some of the things that he said, as far as this being the future, these technologies are here to stay. I mean, that's that's a no brainer. These technologies are definitely here to stay. It's it's more obvious than 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 anything at this point and we're definitely in that fight stage and so with the fight stage there's going to come these narratives where they're trying to knock these um these projects down or they're talking down on them while in the background we know what they're doing we know they're accumulating them we know they're they're getting involved before the masses do and you know it's just another day another day in the matrix like uh water says Another beautiful day in the Matrix, Mario. And with 250 live listeners joining us, show us some love. Smash that like button. Let the algorithm pump this out to as many XRP holders as possible. And listen to the most important update Brad Garlinghouse gives here at the end of this clip. These technologies are here to stay. They're serving a purpose. And the more we as a community and an industry focus on solving real problems, focus on the utility of crypto, like more, the more we're going to see the industry thrive. I think the destabilization of banking has been a major driver since the beginning of the crypto industry. And, you know, we go back to the original Satoshi Nakamoto Bitcoin white paper really came out of the ashes, what I'll call the ashes of 2008, 2009 banking crisis. I think we continue to see angst around banking be a driver of crypto interest and crypto adoption. I don't think it's any different than what we've seen in the United States over the last few months that despite these kind of what I'll call meltdowns of the two second and third largest bank failures ever in U.S. history. Now, what does that mean long term for the dollar and the you know, reserve currencies? I think it's too early to know those things. I think the only thing I guess I would say is we often overestimate the change that will happen in five years. But I think we underestimate the change that happens in 10 years. And 20- 
20 years. And you told me years ago when the internet was getting started that I could literally, you know, click a button on my phone and have ice cream delivered in 20 minutes. I wouldn't have believed you. And that's the type of innovation we're talking about in the payment system specifically, Johnny. Many of the use cases that are going to be every day are yet to be theorized yet. And I think that's what Brad Garlinghouse is hinting at here. The end of this clip in the last 40 seconds is when he describes what's happening in the SEC lawsuit. And I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners right now. Mr. Man is in the live chat. I constantly use his content on our show. So thank you for the great work. If you guys want to follow a great XRP account, Mr. Man on Twitter, that guy puts out awesome work. But Johnny, back to the Brad Garlinghouse statements. What stuck out to you most about this clip before we update our listeners on the lawsuit? Exactly what he said at the end was so important, right? People can't envision, and they can't. It's a known fact. By the way, yeah, definitely shout out to Mr. Man. He's got great stuff, guys. Follow him. And thank you for following us here or joining the chat. But, Abs, what is so important is people cannot – If I so if I try to tell you that you're going to be eating ice cream in the metaverse while you're wearing a suit, so somebody is going to touch you in the metaverse and you're going to feel it on your body while you're smelling the uh, aroma of some environment you're in, even though you're sitting at your desk in your living room, whatever. And you're going to be maybe thinking you're eating ice cream. It might even taste like ice cream, but it ain't. It's going to happen. And these technologies that we're talking about today are going to be the fundamentals behind some of it. But nobody's going to believe it. Right? Because it's just, it's just, it's, the brain can't, Human brain, most people can't conceive what's possible, except for the innovators in this space, except for the people who are, you know, innovating it uh, until they actually experience it. So that's what's going to happen. And being a technology guy, that's why I'm excited in this space and why I'm invested in a diversification of the different areas in this space, because I do, I can envision what Brad is saying. I can think the unthinkable and see things in the future that most people wouldn't want. Oh, we lost them. That's not good. We lost our host. <laughs> yeah, I could tell that he was like kind of frozen. I was like, look like looks like he's coming to us from the metaverse, right? <laughs> He'll be, <laughs> He'll be back. <laughs> but Mario, what do you think? Don't you agree? Um, oh, totally. That- yeah. A lot of this stuff is way too early to tell. You know, like he was referencing the fact that, you know, in the early days of the internet, if you knew that you could just order something, it would be on your doorstep the next day. I mean, you wouldn't have known that. Uh, in the early days. So a lot of these projects, a lot of this blockchain development, it's so early to tell. And and 10 years from now, like he referenced, you know, it, that's when we're really going to see the full impact of the technology. But I'm glad to see you're back, Abs. I don't know what's going on, guys. But Johnny, I like to have a saying, whenever I share too much truthful information, I try to tell you, they try, they try to shut me down. Mario, Mario, I always try to tell him he doesn't listen. He's still young and went behind. You got to watch what you say on there. He doesn't believe me. And, and see, they just gave him a little warning. They cut him off for like a few minutes. <laughs> but they couldn't stop me, guys. I'm nope, right back here back. bringing you that crypto content. And with that being said, here's the most important part of this Brad Garlinghouse clip. As this lawsuit, it could be over sooner than we imagine. Yeah, but that, that's where we are today. And I think when you think about the impact of blockchain and crypto, it's hard to predict where it's going to play out. But I do know it's here to stay and it's going to continue to grow. The case against Ripple by the United States SEC started two and a half years ago, so it's certainly been a bit frustrating and slow. But the good news is we're at the end of that journey. And while others in the crypto industry might be the beginning of that journey, the silver lining for Ripple has been that it's we're kind of at the end. Sometime, I would say, to the next two and let's say six months, I expect a resolution. Uh, the judge had the judge of the United States has been fully briefed. She has a decision on her plate. Uh, 
a federal judge can operate on whatever timeline she would, in this case she would like. Uh, but I'm optimistic we're going to see resolution, I, I believe, before the end of Q3. Before the end of Q3. Why is that timeline so important, Johnny? Because it reminds me exactly of what John Deaton told us at XRP yeah. Las Vegas. Yeah. Shout out to everybody who was there. But, Johnny, a couple of things to mention. First off, Brad Garlinghouse said that they've been in this battle for over two and a half years. And he, he referenced an article last week. Over $200 million has been spent fighting the SEC so far. The second thing that he brought up that's so important is John Deaton told us at the crypto conference in person on September 30th, Judge Torres is going to be forced to make a decision or move this case up to Congress. And the reason she'd like to avoid that is because typically judges are penalized when that takes place. That's a negative on their record. So what Brad Garlinghouse is saying is at the end of Q3, coincidentally, the same timeline John Deaton gave us, we could get a resolution from John Torres, and that's because she doesn't want to send this case to Congress. So with that being said, what stuck out to you, Johnny, and how do you feel about my analogies? Well, and if I understand correctly, it's not that the case goes to Congress, but she has to go in front of Congress and has to explain to them why she hasn't made a decision. And when you do that, basically that is considered like a dunce cap, right? That's a black mark or a black eye, and, and it can prevent you from getting a um, an appellate job or something further along the way. So you don't, so obviously now that all the other gates that everybody predicted have been completely blown out, right? First we heard March, then we heard May, right? All those dates are blown away. Now the only last remaining date that everybody's guessing is going to be the September 30th date for the very, for the very obvious reason that who the hell wants to go and sit in front of their boss and explain why they were late, right? Or why they couldn't do their job. That's basically, yeah, she gets in the hot water, basically, right? So I would imagine, we would all hope, that she would be willing to make that decision before then, and we get a ruling. So I'm going to go with that, too, that I do think, unless she's okay with being put in hot water, and maybe she is, because this case may be so big, where even Congress, you know, we know has been, you know, has everybody's been, uh, you know, keeping an eye on crypto, that maybe... She's okay going to Congress and explaining that, which means then we're going to be further delayed beyond September abs. And that's an out an outlook that nobody wants to hear. But the reality is it could be a possibility. And we're probably not going to know until we get to that time frame. Another important detail about Judge Torres is people talk about the Ripple versus SEC case as if it's the only case on her plate. John Dean told us she's working on over 400 cases. That involves securities law right now. So to talk about the Ripple case every day, it's fun for us. But even Judge Torres probably isn't talking about this XRP case every day. And Mario, I do want to get some thoughts from you as well. But we got 301 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this next update. And then we're going to go to Mario. Against Ripple by the United States SEC started two and a half years ago, so it's certainly been a bit frustrating and slow. But the good news is we're at the end of that journey, and while others in the crypto industry might be the beginning of that journey, uh, the silver lining for Ripple has been that it's we're kind of at the end. Sometime I would say between the next two and let's say six months, I expect a resolution. Uh, the judge had the judge of the United States has been fully briefed. She has a decision on her plate. Uh, a federal judge can operate on whatever timeline she would, in this case, she would like. Uh, but I'm optimistic we're going to see resolution, I, I believe, before the end of Q3. Before the end of Q3, Mario. And I'm sick of these timelines, as is everyone in the live chat, guys. I completely agree. But to say that this case is all planned, 
it's kind of a relevant discussion. I think it's worth having, Mario. What do you think we're seeing here with Brad Garlinghouse? We've got the Coinbase representatives in Dubai. Not only are they becoming more outspoken than ever against the United States, it seems like they're becoming more outspoken than ever against the SEC in particular. And that could be because they know what's coming through a ruling in this case. What sticks out to you most about this Garlinghouse clip? Yeah, I'm, I'm really not paying attention to dates and predictions. You know, forget dates, forget predictions, timelines. It gets invalidated on a constant basis. It, it just doesn't, you know, what, what you sh- we should be focusing on is what it, this is not a case of when, it's a case, it's, a, it's not a case of if, it's a case of when, right? And we know it's going to happen. And it's pretty interesting how all these developments around around uh, regulate regulation around crypto is is happening kind of at the same time as this ripple uh, versus SEC maybe coming to maybe coming to a close. So you know we got Congress that's actively speaking about crypto regulation and and the blockchain technology, and at the same time we're probably going to be finding out soon. You know God knows when about um, about the ripple versus SEC. So I think it's pretty interesting how all these things are happening kind of at the same time. And also, as somebody mentioned in the chat, you know, next year we got the having. I mean, it just so would happen that, you know, it happens at the same time as the having. And so <laughs> it just everything happens, you know, when it's supposed to at the time that it's meant to. And typically when we, the retail people, least least expect it. So that's that's how I'm looking at it. Johnny, when there's blood in the streets, you should be buying. And when your cashier at the supermarket is telling you to get into a token, that is when you should be selling. And somebody said they keep playing the same Brad Garlinghouse videos over and over on different YouTube channels. This is an update you're only going to find on Good Morning Crypto. Behind the scenes at the OMFIF conference, which is basically a think tank for crypto projects, Amazon and Ripple were partnered next to each other or at least sitting next to each other with their booths at this event. And why is that so important? Ripple's booth in particular is focused on central bank digital currencies and the fact that there's no such thing as a coincidence, Johnny, this gets me a little bit excited. Amazon Web Services and Ripple partnered next to each other, or at least they have booths next to each other. Is this something you're excited about? And fill us in on the Brad Garlinghouse clip. Well, I mean, I hope they're talking to each other, right? I I don't necessarily think that just because they're next to each other that means anything. But the nice thing that they are is they'll be very close and they'll be able to have some cross chatter and stuff like that that's usually very common when you're at these events we do the same thing uh so i do i do like that that the the proximity of that for sure but i'm not going to draw a conclusion that they're working together although i'd love to see that uh but you know in terms of brad you know yeah i mean brad brad you know brad i love brad brad's he's so smooth he's so so chill the way he talks um and i and i think that he's frustrated abs to be honest with you that this thing has been taking so long to um to come to fruition i think we all are but the reality is we're getting close we're down the final stretch and you know it's sad that brad has spent you know the company has spent 200 million dollars to support this thing and that money didn't actually go to people that you know either jobs that it could have created or maybe investing in other opportunities and and so that is one thing that kind of saddens me ads but um i did want to just mention that you know i do see a lot of chatter in the in the in the um in in here in our chat about Merlin and in in Mario shirt and our Merlin shirts and yes guys uh we are working on getting a a merch site out there that we can actually get a Merlin shirt for you so we, we are working on that and Mario is helping us to lead that effort so when we have that ready we will let you know we always like to keep you guys informed so thank you for your love and support we love you guys Absolutely, Johnny. And check out this next update from Ripple, because as well as this case going on behind the scenes, there's massive development when it comes to partnership with central banks. And we've got another one to show our listeners here. But guys, we got 320 
live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And people are worried that if Ripple doesn't get a favorable ruling in the United States, we're not going to see this technology utilized. This article can provide some light on that situation. So CorePay, a business partner company under the FeelCore brand and promoted partner of Ripple, recently announced that its cross-border unit has teamed up with Sunflower Bank, a commercial bank within the United States. Um, Sunflower Bank customers will have access to CorePay's cutting-edge technology for cross-border payment solution and foreign exchange risk mitigation. They can effortlessly manage their global transactions from one centralized location, and this will be particularly advantageous for their institutional clients. CorePay secured a partnership with Ripple as far back as October of 2020 to enhance its cross-border payment services, and CorePay joined RippleNet to leverage the network to facilitate efficient and cost-effective cross-border payments going forward. Why is this so exciting, Johnny? Because regardless of the SEC suing Ripple for their tech, it's slowly being utilized outside of our borders, and now we're seeing that technology seep into the United States. What yes. does this article mean to you? Does this make you bullish on the tech? I mean, this is abs the the next best case scenario that you could hope for, right? Scenario number one, you know, when I look at stuff, is I'm looking and hoping that you're going to see a scenario where you're going to develop in the U.S. first, right? Now, we know that's obviously been slowed because of the suit and, and the unclarity and regulation. So what's the next? You say to yourself, what's the next best thing? The next best thing is let's see adoption happen in the 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 next largest, you know, third, you know, second world, or I should say first world um, economies, because what's going to happen is what you just said. Once they start getting, you know, in the UK and in all the more popular countries, then they're going to, they're going to naturally, because the world is globally connected apps, you, you can't stop the, I don't want to use the word infiltration because that's not the right word, but the, you know, the, the, the spread of it. And so, yes, I would expect it to eventually come here. And I've been saying all along, that what's going to happen is eventually the U.S. will eventually adopt it. And the reality is they did ripple. I told you this. They did ripple a favor by actually putting it out there and letting it go, you know, pushing it out of the U.S. It almost forced it to be in the other countries. And maybe that wouldn't have happened and that adoption would have came later and would have took longer. Now they're like, okay, you know what? We can't work in the U.S. We'll work outside. We'll plant our seed all around. And then in the end, we'll come <laughs> at the end. You're going plants all around it. It's going to actually, you know, eventually it's going to kind of end up here as well. And I think that's what you're starting to see. And that abs is actually very, very encouraging from my perspective. And Johnny, we know that they can't shut down this technology. And if other countries around the world are going to be teaching people how to operate within this space, United States citizens who aren't getting that um, education are going to be left at a massive disadvantage and China's launching a national blockchain center to train over half a million crypto specialists. The institution will reportedly train more than 500,000 specialists in distributed ledger technology. And Mario, you may say this is exciting for blockchain tech, but as an American citizen, this is worst case scenario. If we don't get in the forefront, China's going to be leading the way. So are you concerned that over half a million Chinese citizens are being educated on blockchain tech while Americans were being left behind? Ah, you know, like they say in the crypto space, in the crypto space, that's probably nothing, right? I mean, China that we know it's constantly trying to become the world's superpower. They're they're going to launch this blockchain center to train a half a million specialists. That's probably nothing, right? The, the blockchain technology is not going to go anywhere. It's not the future. It's not the evolution of the internet. I mean, obviously, I'm being sarcastic, but uh, but yeah, I mean that that's bullish for 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 blockchain because. 
China has been kind of this uh, nation that that's that, that's been confusing to understand for people that that they're paying attention to the news. It's been confusing to understand where they stand when it comes to crypto. You know, they were against it, then they were for, then they were against it again. Now they're for, and now they're finally showing their true intentions. And they're saying, hey, look, we've been working on this thing and we're going to launch this uh, training facility so that people people can be trained, you know, jobs of the future around blockchain and DLT. It's super, super bullish for, for the space. But as far as the United States, you know, there's a discussion in a discussion in the chat happening right now as far as the government being aware or not participating in the uh, in this shift. I, there's no way. I don't know. I know that Johnny has um, the feeling that, you know, the United States is already behind and, and will continue to fall behind. But I have a I have a hard time believing that all these people in government, in power, you know, uh, big companies. I have a hard time believing that they're not aware of this. I have a hard time believing that they're just letting themselves fall behind and and letting other nations take what's been uh, the United States has had for a long time, if that makes sense. No, it doesn't. No, 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 it doesn't. Hold on. Wait a minute. Okay. What what do you mean? So are you not seeing... Are you no, saying I'm seeing, but it's it seems too obvious. Like it's I I feel like what? this is what they want us to see. So so oh so you're saying behind the scenes? Okay, I yeah see. yeah behind the scenes. You're saying yeah. behind the scenes they're really working it, but in the front they're making it look like they're not. So what's the benefit yeah. of that? I don't know. I wish I had the answer for that. <laughs> Here's the benefit, Johnny. They're secretly handing over the reins to China. One of the things that people who love <laughs> that's not a benefit. <laughs> no, 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 not a benefit to you. <laughs> Don't laugh. It's not no, a benefit. Wait, what's the benefit of that? The benefit is if Gary Gensler, which we know he has $100 million invested in Chinese companies and Chinese projects through JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs, we've seen the evidence, not a conspiracy. If he's incentivized to move this innovation into China so those companies can profit, Gary Gensler wins while Johnny Crypto loses. And you, you asked what the incentive was. There's a, a, a theory, I guess. No, I asked what the benefit is to Americans. Ah, there's no benefit to America. Yeah, okay. Have, I heard you say benefit problem. We have a corruption yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you, Abs. You're 100% right on that one. Absolutely. And we've got more evidence of that here as Coinbase is allowing Algorand to remain on the exchange while they pulled XRP directly after the lawsuit. But before we give you guys an update, we got 340 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And John Deaton interviewed the chief legal officer at Coinbase and was asking him the important questions in regards to XRP. You're making about secondary sales equally applies to XRP. And yet XRP was suspended. And then we see a case against Bittrex where the SEC says Algo is also a security. And of course, there isn't a suspension of that. And so do you understand where as an XRP holders that that they get frustrated or even angry that that they're penalized. Not that anyone wants to delist algo or suspend algo. Let me make that clear. Uh, I just, yeah. what's, your, what's your thoughts on that, sir? No, I do understand that frustration. And look, um, I get it. People's uh, people people can be passionate about these issues, and the rhetoric can sometimes get heated. But I understand where folks are coming from, and I also can understand why I can feel like there's a double standard that's being applied. Um, uh, in, in, a, in a variety of circumstances. Because there is. The law evolves, circumstances evolve. As, as the chair himself likes to say, facts and circumstances constantly change. Um, but I can understand where that frustration is. At the same time, I, I want your, your listeners and followers to understand um, we, we are committed to applying the law and standing up for the rule of law for everyone. 
including holders of XRP. It's one of the reasons, John, that um, we submitted an amicus brief in the case against the Ripple defendants um, in, in order to support one of their particular defenses, the fair notice defense that was raised, which I think ultimately something they could and should win on at trial if it gets to that. Um, others spoke to some of the other issues, including the secondary um, um, Before we get into the secondary sales, Johnny, I'd love to get some quick comments from you. He said, many XRP holders are frustrated about the appearance of double standards. I don't think it's apparent. I think it's clear there's a double standard going on. When XRP was accused of being an unregistered security, Coinbase pulled it off their exchange in only 21 days. Here we have Algorand going through the same allegations, and they're willing to fight the good fight. And it's not that I'm criticizing them for sticking up with Algorand. I'm criticizing them for folding so quickly on XRP. What do you think about the double standard uh, statements he made there? Uh, 100% agree with you, Abs. And what I really would, God, I wish I was in the interview. You know the question I'd ask him, and maybe John's going to get to it. Yeah. I would want to know what fundamental decision was made internally to say, you know, yeah, let's yank XRP and not yank Algo. What was the reason? What was the logic behind why XRP needed to be yanked so quickly and yet, Algo still out there. For, I mean, and then again, this has nothing to do with Algo. I don't care. You can replace the word Algo with AADA or any other symbol. I just want to know why. Help us understand. And Coinbase, I think, owes it to its fan, its users to say, hey, you know, yeah, we, we banned XRP for this reason, XYZ, right? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Tell us why you're not banning Algo. What's the logic? How is it different? What are the facts? Is there something different that they see in the case? You know, where's the lawsuit? Is it different facts? I want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. We want to know why are we not treating because not necessarily every case should be treated the same. All right. I don't I, I agree with that part of it. So but tell us why. I want to know why. And Johnny, I remember I remember in my early days in crypto, 2017, 2018, there was this uh talk and rumor, and I don't know if it was confirmed, I can't recall exactly, but there was a bit of a there was a bit of a thing between Coinbase and Ripple. They didn't really see eye to eye there uh, or XRP in this case. So, you know, you know, pulling out XRP when when the whole thing happened just seemed very obvious when you take that into an account. But as you're saying, you know, why not pull out Algo? That's that's totally especially when this battle has obviously become against the entire crypto market. You know, it, it, it doesn't make sense at all. But if when they say like, OK, Algo is a security, XRP is a security. OK. Then what? Can they register? Can nope. they properly That's register? Great point. great point. Well, they can register if they know how many shares of stock they want to exactly. issue. Because that's what the form is going to ask them. <laughs> exactly. That's I the mean, problem. I know. You're absolutely right. We have Jack Smith makes a great comment here, Johnny. He said the SEC has not sued Algorand. That's why. So what I, they did receive was in a was a notice saying yes. they would be sued in the Correct. future for Algorand. So it's a precursor, right? Coinbase knows the litigation's coming down the pipeline. And I think to me, Abs, I was just going to get to that. I'm actually glad that Jack brought that up because, Jack, you just stole my thunder. What I was going to say was I think the one reason why they haven't is XRP was actually sued, right, and Algo hasn't been yet. And I think if Algo is and it takes more than 21 days to delist them, then we need to know why, right? And this the reality is, again, because we're going back to the facts aren't the same. The facts back then was XRP was sued, and in this case, Algo hasn't yet been sued, Abs. And to me, I believe that's the only reason why they haven't pulled it yet. But that's what Coinbase should be come out and saying. They should be saying, hey, guys, you know, we're not delisting it yet because they're not officially, you know, they, there is no there is no suit 
against them yet. And if it is, then we'll address it at the time. Blah 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 blah. That's what they should have. That's what they should have said, and they haven't. So. Absolutely, Johnny. And with that being said, here's a great update from John D. And in regards to secondary sales of XRP, some of the other issues, including the secondary. Um, um, markets point that, that you've raised and been such an articulate voice on now for many, many months. I think the main point, John, for all of us is that um, this is a team sport we need to play. Um, we're, we're, we're up against the most well-resourced adversary on the entire planet as yep. the United States government and in the form of the Securities Exchange Commission. Um, we've seen now, as you've highlighted, they're not a, a, above um, misstating the law and offering assertions without support if it helps them achieve their objectives. Again, I don't question the motives of the staff, but I do think there's some powerful political forces here that require that we all work together, that we find our common ground, and that um, we, we, we claim our government back for ourselves um, uh, and not allow this, you know, one single part of this one regulator to run roughshod over something we've collectively that we're going to show a, uh, an article later in the show as well, Johnny, stating how there is a commission possibly being formed in the background right now specifically to regulate crypto. And it's not the CFTC and it's not the SEC. So I look forward to bringing that to our listeners. But we got 355 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, give me some of your thoughts on that latest John Deaton update. Secondary sales. Is that going to be the catalyst for XRP? I mean, certainly secondary sales abs is going to be a very, very, very tough sell. And to me, I think that's going to be extremely challenging for, you know, as we heard at the conference, very, very challenging for the SEC to be able to prove that the secondary sales right now of them. I mean, Ripple's not promoting them at all. It's all being done on its own. Uh, we know that. There's 14 amicus briefings saying how they're being used. It's just going to be, it's almost impossible at this point. I really do believe that that's going to be a very, very difficult thing. But remember, Abs, it'll be very interesting to see how the judge rules and what she says about secondary sales. That's what we want to see. That's what we want to hear about. So uh, to me, that is going to be something that, to frankly, I know for every single XRP holder and to Brad, that's the ruling he's looking for. He just wants them to come out and say, that the secondary sales are not securities. And this case is over. Brad would have he would have been happy to pay the SEC $100 or $200 million for them to come out and say that and have them walk away with their fine. And yet they don't want it, which means, as Mario was trying to say earlier about crypto, there's probably some other agenda. We're not going to know it. But something's going on because why wouldn't the SEC take a beautiful payday, take $200 million, put it in the bank, give them the blessing that it's not a security because we all know it's not based on how it's used today. And everybody wins. SEC wins. They get a big bank check. And, and Ripple wins. And all the XRP army and community wins. So to me, it's a no-brainer. And maybe it's going to happen. We just have to wait. I don't know. Mario, check out this update before I get some thoughts from you. No, this is not Judge Torres. This is Mr. Torres, a representative in Congress and somebody who's clearly on the right side of things when it comes to crypto regulation. He's reminding Gary Gensler of the SEC's role when it comes to regulating securities. They do not make laws. They enforce existing laws. Here we go. Yes. Registration with the SEC is just a form on a website. Fact, the notion of registration as just a form on a website is patently false. So false, in fact, that it would come as a shock to all the securities lawyers and companies spending millions of dollars on SEC registration and compliance. Myth, the SEC has the right to crack down on crypto because the technology has no utility. It does more harm than good. 
fact, the SEC is statutorily designed to be a merit-neutral regulator. Even if SEC chair were as omniscient as God himself, he nonetheless has no statutory authority to impose his personal judgment about the merits of crypto and blockchain on those of us who disagree with him. The SEC's only role is to correct information asymmetries and mandate disclosures to protect investors. Yes. Johnny Crypto, that's a beautiful SEC. clip right there. And for anybody who wants to vote for this man, his last name is Torres. I can't give a full update right now, but Johnny, this is so important. We've talked about the crypto conversation evolving over the 2020 and 2022 bull and bear market. This is a primary example. Gary Gensler is not allowed to enforce his political opinions on the crypto market. And if he was going to go after unregistered securities, the biggest one that exists in the market today is Ethereum, which not only had an ICO, not only had a public offering, but also had insider trading confirmed, letting SEC officials purchase Ethereum for less than $1. But guys, we got 365 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're talking about XRP right now, Johnny. But an article that I want to fill our listeners on as well is how the IMF is warning Zimbabwe that gold-backed tokens could be a very dangerous road to take, basically threatening them when it comes to figuring out new monetary policy. But sticking to that clip here, how did you feel about Mr. Torres' statements towards Gary Gensler? Well, I mean, he's, he's spot on. We were actually talking about that at the conference this weekend uh, with a couple of folks there, including John Deaton, where uh, we did talk about the fact that um, abs that you want to nice have trash bag behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you want to have clarity, and the clarity actually doesn't. You know, there were a couple of people that were confused, like, "Oh, wait a minute, the SEC has to." You know, abs. I'm glad you brought that up. I don't think people realize. Like, I think our our viewers do. But I think most people don't realize because they're caught up in this and they don't understand, you know, the whole step economy. They actually think, and it's easy to believe this, that the SEC makes the rules. And and so, and the reason why that's confusing is because the SEC does make certain rules when Congress gives them powers to do so, right? So Congress says, you know, they define X, Y, and Z, and then SEC goes off and makes rules on how to deliver X, Y, and Z. Well, what we have today is is exactly what I think uh, Torres, Mr. Torres was trying to say there, was that we need Congress to clarify what that is. And then the SEC is supposed to go and make the, the rules for that. And instead, in, lo in lieu of not having that clarity, we're just getting this, this kind of uncertainty because the SEC is supposed to lay out what to do, but they're not doing that, right? Because we, we've heard from Jeremy Hogan where he came out and said, you can't even go complete the forms properly. The forms aren't even written correctly. So that, to me, is something that, you know, again, goes up to the top to the SEC to say, hey, guys, well, why is the form right? And what do we got to do to get this right? And why that's not happening when they're saying, come on in, work with us, and then they're not, only Gary can answer that. Mario, and this is some more evidence of what Gary Gensler is doing right here. Tether's market cap has grown by nearly $10 billion since the collapse of Circle and USDC. And now we have an SEC commissioner officially calling for the ban of Tether in the United States. We got 369 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Mario, I'd love to get your thoughts on this latest article. Former SEC commissioner John Reed Stark commented, Tether's fundamental business, the essence of everything that Tether does is tied exclusively to Tether's financial reserves. Yet those reserves remain unaudited, unconfirmed, and therefore 
dubious, which for anybody who doesn't understand basically means false, right? So what do you think about Tether not having to show their reserves, but Congress hasn't put any rules in place for them to be transparent, like mental health? Yeah, uh, Tether has been this ticking time bomb in the crypto space for a long time now. And Mr. Whale, you know, he puts out some really good tweets and he's 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 called a lot of a lot of stuff that's been accurate. So but he's been very adamant with this message of Tether, you know, collapsing eventually. So he's definitely calling out that that part, that FUD, uh, whether it's FUD or not. I mean, it, there, there's certainly something about the fact that they don't want to um, disclose their reserves. I think that's a very big red flag. But at the same time, like you were saying, Abs, like Congress has really not stepped forward and and uh, and and enforced any of these things. And you know, it looks like the SEC. It really looks like the SEC doesn't know what to do because I really don't think they know what to do. When we look at that hearing that Gensler did in front of Congress, and he was being like asked very specific, direct questions, yes or no. He can he he wouldn't answer them, and he looked like a total idiot for lack of a better term, because he wasn't answering the questions that were so plain simple. And to me, that tells me that he's in a position too where the government is not giving him anything to work with. And yeah, I, I things are so weird right now in the you're U.S. Right, Mario. You're right, Mario. You're you're absolutely oh, right. You talking about all you got to do is just it. it it all depends on the facts of the case and the circumstances and just come on in. We're willing to work with you. He says it all the time. I know he Seriously. does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Johnny Crypto, chilling Gary Gensler on this Thursday morning, guys. And check out this update. Johnny, I want to get your thoughts on this reserve article as well, because USDC is actually betting on the fall of the U.S. dollar. So although they're showing proof of reserves, the U.S. Treasury may not like what USDC is betting on here. Stablecoin issuer Circle has recently reported its reserve treasuries in an effort to reduce the risks for the United States debt defaults. Circle CEO Jeremy Allaire said that the firm adjusted a mix of its reserves by backing its USDC coin by switching to short-dated U.S. treasuries in order to caught up getting void and avoid a potential U.S. debt default. Now, this is something we've addressed 87 times since 1971, Johnny. That's a real stat. Every single time we raise the debt ceiling and JP Morgan, the CEO of JP Morgan, sorry, Jamie Dimon, even said we should remove this because we raise it every single time. What do you think about USDC being concerned? We may default on our debt for the first time ever. Well, no, I, I think, yes, I think. And I actually think it's a smart move. If you're going to move into anything, you move into short term U.S. debt, right, which is considered to be the most safest debt in the world. And that's another whole discussion for another day. But let's just say we all agree it still is today there's no better place to be right in the way. And I don't know if they mean short term, like one month treasuries, three month treasuries, but I would much rather see them in us treasuries than not know what they're in. You know, before I think it was, I think tether is what 80% was it 80%. They're like 70% in us treasury and 20% like unknown commercial. Yeah, we, don't even know, we don't even know what they're in. Right. Uh, it's good to know like, Hey, USDC is in, you know, if they're 100 percent or 90 percent into that, that's going to give most people a very good, comfortable feeling that they're in the safest place in the world now. Um, so to me, abs, I actually that actually gives Check me out this comment straight out of Asia this morning. It said, dumb Americans, we're going to own all your crypto. I think that's a fighting word. This sound like fighting words, Johnny. Crypto. We're all about love on this channel. So no, we, got well, we don't. Yeah, we don't disrespect. Happen. We don't disrespect anybody here. Abs. We're not going to use the word dumb or ignore any of that stuff if you want to call us that that's fine but exactly. the reality is let's be respectful you know we love you whoever you are i can't read your name in chinese but um 
you can you can own our crypto. You can have all the Pepe you want in the world. I'm just kidding. Uh, the reality <laughs> is, <laughs> the reality is, abs. Uh, anybody who's in crypto, we are going to. We have very very smart people here who invested it and see the potential upside of it. And yes, the government right now is being difficult. But the reality is, I think when we get through all this, many people who are patient are going to be on the other side of that really huge. You know, we got to bring that curve back. That really huge exponential growth that you see once we get past uh, uh, the initial years of adoption. You're spot on, Johnny Crypto, and we don't got to call him dumb. That comment speaks for itself. But guys, we got 365 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I'm only kidding. It's all love on this Monday or sorry, Thursday morning. And Johnny, you brought up something cool, which was the Pepe token saga. Everybody's been talking about this week, and it seems we may have missed a key detail about this token. I'd love to share this with our listeners. So when Coinbase flagged, Coinbase flagged the growth of Pepe coin and Bitcoin based meme coins in its latest newsletter on Wednesday. Last week, we saw trading volume on meme coins jump to $2.3 billion, more than six times higher than the week prior and the highest level since May of 2021, said Coinbase in its newsletter. Pepe, which has seen over 55,000% growth since its issuance in mid-April, running up to nearly $1.8 billion in total market cap in just under three weeks. This is becoming one of the fastest growing tokens of all time. Bitcoin's request for comment BRC20 token standard also allowed a, allowed a ton of meme coins to be minted onto the Bitcoin network. That accumulated in nearly 1.8 billion new meme coins entering the Bitcoin layer one network, Johnny. But that's not the most important detail. Here's a little Pepe update for all of our listeners out there. And this is something I had no idea about while covering this token on the channel. The token has been based on Pepe, the frog coin meme, which first surfaced on the internet nearly 20 years ago as a cosmic strip character. Over time, it's been co-opted as a hate symbol for alt-right groups, according to the Anti-Defamation League. And now we've got tons of accounts speaking out on Twitter, claiming Pepe is a symbol of hate. Now, I'd like to just get some thoughts from you, Johnny. I don't know if it's a symbol of hate. I don't know about the alt-right whatever. That's not what I follow. But what I do follow is that meme coins are something we should all stay away from. And this is another reason maybe you want to avoid these Ponzi schemes. So what do you think about Pepe being a hate token? Let's actually start with Mario. Mario, what did you think? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I I didn't know that either. That I I mean, I knew that this uh, Pepe symbol was something that uh, it was a meme that had circled the internet for a while, but I I didn't know it was correlated to to that kind of stuff. But, you know, meme coins is this, you know, since crypto started or since Dogecoin came about, right? It's been this thing where, you know, shit coins, meme coins, they're backed by nothing with no utility. But it, it goes to show where the attention is as far as people on the internet right now. You know, people are more than willing to throw couple hundred dollars, thousands of dollars into meme coins, but yet you have solid projects that are trying to create real utility with real future potential and they're not doing anything about it. And it's kind of frustrating in my circle as I see like the people that I've been, that I talk to on a regular basis, family, friends. And as we discussed crypto over the last couple of years, recently, they haven't been wanting to talk anything about crypto or, you know, they, they mentioned the whole thing, oh, crypto's collapsing. And now all of a sudden they're like, oh, you got this Pepe thing, man. Did you buy any Pepe? I'm like, I hope you didn't buy any Pepe. And I've been telling you all about all these other projects. And, and you know, that's that just shows the, the retail sentiment. And it's at the same time, it's very nice. I mean, I feel very, um, I feel good about the fact that I'm aware of where I should be investing, you know, the right projects to be investing. But don't get me wrong. I do feel the FOMO <laughs> and I do feel kind of like, man, if only I had put like 20 bucks 
it would have turned into a couple thousand. But yeah, this meme coin conversation is is just crazy in my opinion. Johnny, All real right. quick, I know you're going to address that comment, but I want to get some comments in right here as well. We're going to move away from Pepe and into a token that's actually in our title, which is Stellar and the potentially huge partnership that is slipping between the cracks for most of the crypto community. Potentially huge for Stellar and XLM. To clarify, the founder and current chief technology officer at XLM is Jed McCaleb, a.k.a. arch enemy of David Schwartz. That's a joke. McCaleb is the CEO of Vast as well, and the CEO of SpaceX is Elon Musk. Vast and SpaceX have just created a global partnership in order to bring internet all over the planet, Johnny, through this SpaceX collaboration. So obviously the Vast CEO partnering with uh, SpaceX, he's also the CEO of Stellar. I just wanted to draw that connection, and now the floor is yours. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, obviously Jeb's got some big connections there, and that is very, very impressive. And, and you know, <laughs> we know that Jeb's a, the Teflon Don of his crypto. So, you know, wherever Jeb goes, that's someplace you want to follow. But I got to go back to the Pepe thing, because to me, that is just ridiculous that we're sitting here and we're talking about freaking frogs. We're talking about frogs being hate symbols. So seriously, what the hell has the world come to? That now we're talking about little green frogs being hate. This is crazy. I mean, I, I can't, I can't, under, I don't mean, you, I just don't get it. I mean, I grew up in a world where it was different, where, you know, frogs <laughs> were the most loving little creatures and you loved having them in the backyard, cricket, you know, ribboning back there. And it, they're not hate symbols. So this is just crazy to even have to go there, abs. To me, it's, it really makes zero sense that we're even having the conversation about green frogs. However, that set aside about the symbol in terms of meme coins themselves, we weren't all time on this show. You got to be careful, guys. I mean, we showed yesterday that you could build a meme coin in 27 seconds. 27 seconds, less than a minute, you can actually have a meme coin up and running, a token out there, and you have no idea what utility is, who's behind it, what the liquidity is. The abs, these are all basically what I like to call pump and dumps if you get in them and you're lucky and you went listen there are people that like to gamble and if you're going to get in the meme coin as long as you understand that you're gambling and you may win or you may lose okay fine and then you're willing to accept it great to sports betting you got better odds in sports betting you really do you're better off just going to the casino do like abs and put money on red or put money on black and you know don't, don't follow my <laughs> advice well no <laughs> go to the roulette table 48 percent you know, you got 48% chance. You probably have a better chance of winning in, you know, higher odds than in, in meme. And I'm not suggesting you do that either. The point being is meme coins are very, very dangerous. You know, uh, I should say, I mean, they're risky, right? And so if you're going to invest in them, you just have to be prepared to know that you might lose it all. And if you're willing to invest what you're willing to lose, then I think, you know, that's fine. And, and the reality is people, listen, abs, we all know people want to make a quick buck. And if people start hearing, oh, wow, I can make a quick buck. Like in Safe Moon, same yeah. thing happened in Safe Moon. People start hearing you can make it. People start. Here's the problem, guys. When you start hearing that you can make money in Pepe or you can make money in Safe Moon, guess what? Too late. It's Let me over. Give you a couple of details, Johnny. I just want to add to your point here. What happened with Pepe specifically is there was a man who invested twenty seven dollars. That account went up to $9 million. And you know what the founders of Pepe did? They blacklisted wow. his account so he wasn't even able to sell those tokens. <laughs> when you're seeing these huge numbers on your screen, and this is important during the bull run as well, you're going to see this time and time again during 2025. People are going to be putting out screenshots where they've got $30 million in tokens, but there's no liquidity on the network. So that money 
it really doesn't even exist. And Johnny, we only got five minutes left. So I'm going to go rapid fire here just because we titled this in our episode. The IMF is pushing back against Zimbabwe's gold-backed digital currency. And this is a tweet I put out yesterday. Zimbabwe issued a gold-backed digital token. Is this the start of a much larger movement? The IMF does seem to be concerned. And before I kick it back to you, Mario, I'm going to read one quick tweet or one quick uh, line here. The IMF has called Zimbabwe's monetary authorities to carefully consider the benefits of issuing gold-backed digital currencies versus the potential risk to their economy. The global leader said authorities should instead consider liberalizing the country's foreign exchange market. The reason that Zimbabwe is moving to this gold-backed asset is because they've seen rapid depreciation in the country's native currency. Typically, one U.S. dollar at the beginning of 2023 was worth about a thousand of their native national currency, the Zimbabwe dollar. Right now, it's 2x. They've lost 50% of the value in their currency in the first four months of 2023 alone. So I do think they have good reason to be concerned here. During the same year, the central bank unveiled physical gold coins, which it said would act as an alternative store of value. And now they've connected digital tokens to those native assets, Mario. I just want to get some thoughts. Give me a chance to cover one last article after this one. What do you think about Zimbabwe taking the initiative to move into gold-backed assets while using digital tokens? Yeah, that's a very interesting take. Um, definitely gold Gold is a, a, a coming back as a reserve currency has been the talk of the last couple, last couple of years. You know, especially since we we first came into YouTube and we did that video with Coach, you know, uh, talking about Basel 3. So it doesn't really surprise me to see some countries trying to do that. But I really believe that um, there is a new reserve, world reserve currency or basket of currencies. Or so we keep talking about on the show that could potentially be in the works. And so I don't know, like, you know, I'm not an expert in, in foreign currency by any means, but yeah, I can I can really see that the way that this is going, there is going to be a world currency. And it just makes sense given that like how connected we are currently with with the state of the internet. So, but I know you got some comments you want to make. So yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mario. And this is the last article I want to show our listeners. Canadians have until June 19th to weigh in on their new central bank digital currency project and answer 20 personal questions in regards to their identity. First of all, some of the most important information they're asking for here, where you live, what's your postal code, age, gender, ethnicity, income, and education. This is what we're talking about. This is the type of BS that they're going to try to push on the American public in only a couple of years. But first, we're going to show you a quick update into why people may start using Bitcoin instead of these trash currencies. So I think that what happened with ordinals and NFTs is we crossed this chasm from what was a bearish scenario to a bullish scenario. If I was a miner, I would be ecstatic. I think that long-term, it, it, there are a lot of implications. Uh, long-term, the implication is there's gonna be a lot of applications on the Bitcoin base layer. And if I can inscribe a piece of art, right? An NFT is kind of an art, but I could also inscribe my last will and testament. And if my last will and testament is moving a billion dollars from me to you, how much is it worth to you to have that burned onto the blockchain? A billion. Graphically verified. Yeah, at least a billion dollars for me. <laughs> Would you pay 20 bucks? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Would you pay $100? Of course. There you go. So there are interesting applications. And I do love that concept. He's focusing on Bitcoin here because he's a maximalist. But Johnny, 30 seconds. How do you feel about Sailor talking about the use cases coming into this network? No, he's 100% right. The blockchain, that's the whole point of the blockchain. You know, as Jusko talks about all the time here, Abs, I know we have a little time left. Uh, but he basically says, this is the truth network. 
That's exactly what you would be getting when you can now go from, you know, hey, I want to leave this to you and I got to go get my attorney and I got to write it or I can just do a smart contract and boom, I do it over and it's done. And to me, that's the value. And boy, I wish that, exi- you know, it's it's coming and I'm glad it is because we really, we really need, we need something like that absent. So I agree. He's spot on. Thank you so much, Johnny. And I want to say thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Mario and thank you to Johnny. Another amazing episode. We got 325 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And thank you for being here on this Thursday. We're going to close it out the same way we always do. Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go.